Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Gio and Joey podcast, to the second episode on Alistair Crowley. Joey, how are you doing today? Doing good. How are you doing? Better than I deserve, brother. Better than I deserve. Last week's episode was nuts. A lot of scholarly quotes. And on the heels of Sam Smith's Grammy satanic ritual, today we're going to show some more of the practical side of Crowley's influence in society. As we do that, I want to start with this. We did a couple of episodes ago with Charles Darwin. And if you believe in evolution, you believe that there is no God, there is no meaning, no ground for ethics, no free will, no personal identity, no genuine relationships, no wonderful richness of the world. So I believe that between Crowley and Darwin, they have totally influenced society towards the negative, not the positive. From a biblical perspective, I think Darwin influenced people to believe there is no creator. And this man, Aleister Crowley, has influenced people to worship the enemy. So it's a two-pronged attack on Revelation chapter 14, verses 6 and 7, which calls us to worship God who created the heavens and the earth. So these two individuals, one attacks creationism, the other one attacks worship. And we're going to look at the life of Crowley, and we're going to see from our religious tradition that he says certain things that contradict things that we believe in. And I'll start with this. In our religious tradition, it says this, that God wants such an army of workers as our youth, rightly trained, might furnish how soon the message of a crucified, risen, and soon coming Savior might be carried to the whole world. That's a good thing. Young people preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, bringing truth to the masses. However, in a bizarro world, Crowley says this, let me seduce the boys and the Oldsters may totter unconverted to their graves. Then these boys become men, may bring about the new heavens and the new earth. But with, without an army, I am useless. Give me my army, young men, and we will sweep these dogs into the sea. What a contrast. One for the cause of Christ, one for the cause of the enemy. I think we, we see that. What is the biggest battle in our society right now? Who is the vanguard? It's these mothers who saw, particularly in 2020 with the shutdowns and when education was put online, they saw what their kids are being taught. I know Libs of TikTok has done some good journalism on this, showing these teachers that are bragging about seeing kids, right, with kind of these dogmas, these sexual things. And it's like, that's always the fulcrum. If you can get the youth, the communists, I know they did this. Stalin would try to recruit youth for the Red Army. And Hitler had the Hitler youth propagating kids into Nazism. So it's like everyone is always focused on the youth because of the time when you're deciding the course of your life. And I like what that the author from Education said. As Christians, if we have an army of dedicated youth who love the Lord, they can change the world. And Crowley, the enemy, he realizes that as well. If he can get the youth, he can change the world, but for very different ends. And we see it in society today, as you mentioned and alluded to. All the battles here that are happening in the United States, drag queen story hour, the need for drag queens to perform in front of children, the curriculum in schools. Everybody is focusing on the children. Christianity wants to keep children pure, we see all this push to have children get elective surgeries when they haven't even truly decided 
what they want to do with their lives. The push is always to get the children. And Crowley had a plan. And unfortunately, sadly, in certain areas of society, he's succeeding. Look at this next quote from Crowley, things that he believed in. He says, paganism is wholesome because it faces the facts of life. He goes on to say, if one were to take the Bible seriously, one would go mad. But to take the Bible seriously, one must be already mad. This guy is nuts, but why? Have you ever wondered, and I ask this to people, why is always the attack against Christianity? Why not against other religions? Crowley says in the Confessions of Aleister Crowley, the reason he doesn't attack those religions, in fact, he uses them in his own religion, is because the only true religion is Christianity. Even a Satanist can acknowledge that. Look at this other quote. He says, I was not content to believe in a personal devil and serve him in the ordinary sense of the word. I wanted to get a hold of him personally and become his chief of staff. You know politics. What does a president do without his chief of staff? Not a whole lot. He doesn't effectuate a whole lot of policy. What jumps out at me about that statement, so the devil, going back to the roots of this whole thing, he started out as an angel of light in heaven. And his whole issue, how evil arose in his heart, is pride of position. He wanted to be, right? He was next to God. He's the most exalted angel. But he's like, no, that's not enough for me. I want more. And what we see here with Crowley is that to this day, the devil's ranks are filled with people who are egotistically vying for power. And I think in our world, we see power dynamics, right? And like the systems of the world, it's always about power over, right? I need power to effectuate change. What's different about Christ, what's different about God, is it's about power, but power is through service, power through love, power through servant leadership, right? How did Christ, who was our ultimate example, how did he display this? He got down on his knees and washed his disciples' feet. Ultimately, he went to the cross himself, him who knew no sin, became sin for us. So in other words, what we see with Crowley and what we see on the devil's side, going all the way back to Lucifer himself, is this jockeying and vying for power over. And what we see with Christ is this desire to lead through service and love and self-sacrifice. I don't think that distinction could be more clear. Crowley and his followers, their big textbook is this book. They call it the Book of the Law. And basically, you could summarize the Book of the Law, Crowley says, by do as thou wilt. And that phrase happens to be promoted by none other than Jay-Z, who happens to be one of the biggest rap artists of all time, married to Beyonce, another big artist who has a big following. And you could see it here. This is Crowley's phrase. It's even written in the old English like they would say it. Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. And here he has it on his sweatshirt. I guess the theme that I'm seeing in all of this is the law of conscience between the true and the bad, right? And it seems like in everything, there's there's a direct comparison. Crowley says the whole of the law will be this, do what thou wilt. But Jesus has asked a similar question to summarize what the whole of the law is. And what does he say? He says, you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And then he says, the second commandment is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So it's like, how different is that, right? One, the whole of the law is do what thou wilt. 
The other is basically love God and love your fellow man. Again, when that contrast is put together, Christianity looks far more attractive. If you follow each to its logical conclusion, the endings are totally in different universes. If you follow a life where it's all about self, it's all about doing what you wish versus following a law that leads to sacrificial love, that leads to taking care of not only yourself, but taking care of society and family, you end up with different society. And we're starting to see the ramifications of Crowley's teaching. I want to show you several artists and I want to paint the scene. So here's Katy Perry. We have seen her in other Grammy renditions do satanic rituals. But here we have another famous artist, Eminem. We have Rihanna. We have Kanye West. Here we have Beyonce, married to Jay-Z. And here we have Metallica. All these artists, if you would ask them, are you like somebody else? And what would they more than likely say? No, we're unique. I'm unique. There's no one like me. However, we're going to see here is that they all play for the same team. In essence, they all have communications with each other. They all have symbols which promote the teachings of Aleister Crowley. And we're going to talk about symbols. But before we do that, let's read these Bible verses. It says, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. And that's what Joey and I are doing today. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We don't want you to be part of the darkness. We don't want anybody to be part of the darkness. God has called us from darkness to light. And this is what we're trying to expose in these two episodes of Crowley. God has called us to worship the creator, not the creation. And we spoke about a couple of weeks ago that the Declaration of Independence says what about the creator? That he endows us with certain inalienable rights, among these being life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We are endowed by the Creator. So whether you believe in Christianity or not, what makes this country special is the fact that we have inalienable rights, that we're all created equal, and that comes from Christianity. Yet society today wants to pigeonhole people into groups and divide them. And we see that chaos is happening in society where Christianity wants to call us alter peace. So we're going to look, Joey, at a couple of symbols and... You tell me what these symbols are, if you recognize them. What's this symbol and what does it represent? That's the Ark of the Covenant. And what does it represent? Well, ultimately it represented God's presence with the people of Israel. This represented God's presence. I believe the Shekinah glory was there in the most holy place of the tabernacle that the Israelites built while they were in the wilderness. This symbol represented a reality, even though the symbol wasn't the reality, it had an attachment to the reality. In fact, that symbol represented something. What about this one? I'll give a little bit of the story for the audience that doesn't mm -hmm. know. But the children of Israel, these people, God would deliver them time and time again, and yet they would always find something to complain. Well, eventually serpents that bit the children of Israel, and they were dying, and they were getting sick and dying, and then they cried out for deliverance again. And so God has Moses lift up this serpent on a stick. And then all they had to do was look at it. And what it obviously represented was the fact that Christ was going to come and he was going to be lifted up. So it represented that their deliverance was not going to come from themselves, but from looking upon Christ. 
Once again, here's a symbol, a snake on a stick, representing that Jesus was going to take the sins of the world. And by believing in him, we will be saved from our sins. Once again, a symbol wasn't just a symbol without having its representation. Here's a modern symbol. What does this symbol represent? The Super Bowl. And the winner of the Super Bowl gets this trophy. They don't hand this trophy to anybody. They hand that trophy out to the winner. When somebody carries that trophy around and they own it or are entitled to carry it around, it's because it means something. It has a reality behind it. What about this symbol? What does it mean? This one's a little bit more controversial, but it represents the organization uh, Black Lives Matter. And as we saw, it's had an influence in our society. You and I can agree with the statement, Black Lives Matter, but we cannot agree with this symbol because it has Marxist ideology behind it. Speaking of which, we will be doing a future episode on Karl Marx and his negative influence on society. But nevertheless, this flag represents something. It's not just a flag with words. It has a whole organization behind it. What about this flag? What does it represent? Sexual pride. Once again, this flag is not just a symbol. It has a reality behind it. None of these symbols we have showed you so far do not have a corresponding reality. You may not believe in God. You may not believe in Christianity. But for the Christian, the symbols that we showed you that are Christian have a reality, which is why I chose symbols that are also non-Christian, like the Super Bowl, the Black Lives Matter flag, the pride flag. They have a reality behind it. These symbols stand for something. What does this symbol stand for? Peace. Peace. And people who take this symbol seriously are just looking for peace. And when you flash that symbol, it's, hey, I don't want any trouble, peace. Or in wartime, when it was used in the 60s, it was they were hoping for peace from the Vietnam War. What does this symbol represent? Love. Right? Love. Once again, couples do this. Matter of fact, that football player who had that cardiac arrest he was well known for doing that symbol, showing that he had love for all the people who prayed for it, for him. Once again, I'm beating this like a dead bush or like a dead horse because I want to point out the symbols have a corresponding reality to them. This symbol for Christians is what? The Lord's Supper. It's a reminder of what Christ has done for us. Christ said the symbolism of bread represents his body, which was broken for us. And the wine or grape juice represents his blood that was spilled for us. And we do it, right? Because as often as we do it, we proclaim the Lord's death, burial, and resurrection until he comes back again. So this symbol, whether you believe in Christianity or not, has a corresponding reality to it. So when we talk about symbols, now look at this. Horus was often the ancient Egyptians' natural Patreon god. He was usually depicted as a falcon-headed man wearing the sphinx or a red and white crown as a symbol of kingship over the entire kingdom of Egypt. And we got that from Wiki. So look at this symbol. What is that? Do you recognize this one? Is that the all-seeing eye? Yes, or the eye of Horus is what they call. Remember, this symbol represents what? The god. And we saw in part one that Horus is corresponding to the Christian devil, counterpart to the devil. And so here we have this symbol 
And look at this quote. It says, the book of the law is careful to indicate the nature of the formula implied by the assertion that the reciting officer of the temple, the earth, is Horus. We may then expect the new age to release mankind from its pretense of altruism, its obsession of fear, and its consciousness of sin. That word sin is no longer in vocabulary today. And this was his stated goal, to basically do away with the notion of sin. There is no need to develop the ethics of Thelema in detail, for everything springs with absolute logic from the singular principle, do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. Or put it another way, there is no law beyond do what thou wilt, and thou hast no right but to do thy will. The word of sin is restriction. It is a lie. This is folly against self. So if you notice the contrast is that there is no sin. There is nothing that will hold me accountable. There is no one I have to pay homage to. It's all about self, self, self. And that is going to be detrimental to society. And this attitude is communicated in music artists today. Look at this quote. It says, the OTO, Crowley's religion, is possession of one supreme secret. The whole of its system is directed toward communicating to its members by progressively plain hints this all-important instruction. And what is the all-important instruction? Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. Now listen to what he says. He says, by progressively plain hints this all-important instruction. And the instruction is not complicated. Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. It's looking at this. The all-seeing eye. You see it in Bono. You see it in Eminem. Remember, I stated earlier that these all artists will say they're unique. Yet here they all doing the same symbolism. Promoting what? The one teaching. Do as thou wilt is the whole of the law. Miley Cyrus. Here we have Christina Aguilera. Britney Spears. This is Black Eyed Peas. Rihanna. Celine Dion. And this is 666, the Baphomet symbol. Listen to what it means. The serpent Satan is not the enemy of man. This is Crowley speaking. But he who made gods of our race, knowing good and evil. He bade know thyself and taught initiation. He is the devil of the book of Thoth and his emblem is Baphomet. He is therefore life and love. But moreover, his letter is iron, the eye, so that he is light. And his zodiac image is Capricornus, that leaping goat whose attribute is liberty. I wanted to make a comment there about something that I think is common. I love when he mentioned Capricornus and mm. some of these things, and we're going to flesh this out more, but these symbols, one thing that I've noticed, particularly among some of my peers, is it's increasingly common to talk about your sign. I'm a Libra or I'm a this or I'm a Sagittarius. And I know the majority of people doing this aren't thinking of these deeper connections. But I'm going back to him a lot because he talks about this quite a bit. Michael Knowles of The Daily Wire. And he's talked about these signs and he's talked about like yoga and some of these things that we do unwittingly. But we are doing them. And these are religious practices. And so I think that is something that we should keep in mind. That these symbols are not just meaningless things. They were developed for a reason with a particular cause. And so that's just something that jumped out at me as you were reading that quote. That's why I harped on so heavily that these symbols have a corresponding reality to them. Listen to these next quotes before we get into more examples. Look what Crowley says. This man was 
out there. He says, I was brought up in the other service, but I knew from the first that the devil was my natural master and captain and friend. I saw that he was in the right and that the world cringed to his conqueror only through fear. I prayed secretly to him and he comforted me and saved me from having my spirit broken in this house of children's tear. I promised him my soul and swore an oath that I would stand up for him in this world and stand by him in the next. What's deceiving about this quote, and I'm going to leave it up there, is that he believes that there will be an afterlife for him. He believes that him and the devil are going to rule in the next life. Look at this other quote, similar. In my situation, I cannot dismiss the falsities of Christianity with a smile. I was compelled to fight fire with fire and to oppose their poison poultice with poison daggers. So Crowley only fights against Christianity because he knows Christianity is the only true religion. He is just convinced that the enemy, the devil, is going to be victorious here on earth. But that is so sad because we know that's not the truth. Look what he says here. Thus, apart from the stupendous value of the book of the law itself, it opens up a path of progress to mankind, which should eventually enable the race to strike off the fetters of mortality and transcend the limitations of its entanglement with earth. What was the first lie of the devil? You will not die. And here he's talking about mortality and transcending limits from our heritage. The satanic agencies are constantly at work sowing and watering the seeds of rebellion against the law of God. And Satan is gathering souls under his black banner of revolt. He forms a confederacy with human beings to contend against purity and holiness. He has worked diligently perseveringly, increasing the number who will confederate with him. By his representation, he seeks to widen the distance between heaven and earth, and he grows into the conviction that he can wear out the patience of God, extinguish his love for man, and bring condemnation upon the whole human family. Here we see in this quote, she correctly states that Satan aligns with humans, people like Crowley, to bring disciples to try to separate them from God. And in a more succinct quote, she says this, Satan has been working to make the gulf deep and impassable between earth and heaven. By his falsehood, he has emboldened men in sin. It was his purpose to wear out the forbearance of God and to extinguish his love for man so that he would abandon the world to satanic jurisdiction. And when you look at Crowley's teachings, that's exactly what he's teaching. He thinks that they are going to eventually take over this world and live happily ever after because God is going to abandon it. Boy, do they have something else coming. I love the author that you mentioned, and I think we'll drop down links to the books for anyone who's more interested in where those quotes come from. But um, I love this kind of background that we get here. But it's like the answer to Crowley's thing and to the devil's plan here, God's answer to it is Christ. So mm -hmm. Satan thinks that if he can get man to go so far, he can get God to abandon humanity, but he's wrong. The whole answer to it is in the cross of Christ. Christ said, I would rather give up my divinity than not have these people that I created have the chance to live for me. And so I just think ultimately it's good to know that in this battle, we have the God of the universe and our creator who's not going to abandon us, no matter the efforts of Satan.
Yep, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Going back to those imagery, remember Baphomet is a sign of devil. Here we have Kanye West with that on his shirt. Here we have Beyonce in the I Am tour. By the way, I Am is a name for God in the Bible. I am who I am. Yet she titled her tour the I Am tour. And if you look at her torso, there it is, the Baphomet sign. And she goes under the name Sasha Fierce. It is her demonic spirit, she claims, or her spirit that infuses her when she's in concert. Once again, emphasizing the symbol of the Eye of Horus with a corresponding reality in her life. Justin Bieber, another one. If you notice the glasses, one of them is faded out. Once again, these symbols corresponding reality. And Crowley said that in plain sight, obvious symbols to teach others, do what thou wilt, is a whole of the law. Here we have, once again, Christina Aguilera in different renditions, making that same gesture. Justin Timberlake. These are all artists of different genres, all doing the same thing. And look at the title of his album, Magic. Well, Crowley was big into magic. Look at Alicia Keys. Same thing, covering her eyes. Here's another symbol that Crowley talks about. The 12th describes the city of the pyramids whose queen is called Babylon, the scarlet woman, in whose hand is a cup filled with the blood of the saints from the book, The Confessions of Aleister Crowley. Once again, all these symbols in Christianity are evil symbols. And yet Crowley uses them to push his agenda, the pyramid. This is a concert for Jay-Z. And what is that image? That is a pyramid. That's his stage is a pyramid. There he is doing the pyramid symbol. His followers doing it back to him. And remember, symbols are not just nothing. They have a corresponding teaching behind them or a corresponding reality behind them. Here he is with Kanye West. Jay-Z, 50 cents with the pyramid on his hat. And we saw Jay-Z with the Do As Thou Wilt shirt. Here's the Beatles, Sgt. Pepper album with Crowley in the album cover and a bunch of other mystics, by the way. If you look at the history, though, of this album cover, they were actually going to have Hitler on it as well. But they deemed that too controversial. Here they are, the Beatles other album, all of them covering their eye, making the sign of 666 and Baphomet. John Lennon made the connection clear in an interview with Playboy when he said that the whole Beatle idea was to do what you want, right? Lennon was paraphrasing do what thou wilt, which is one of the central precepts of the lemma, the religion founded by Aleister Crowley, even Michael Jackson. There you see in the album cover, there in the front, in the tux, none other than Aleister Crowley. Why, if this guy didn't mean nothing to them, do all these artists participate in what he teaches? Listen to this quote. It is because he, Satan, has masked himself with consummate skill that the question is so widely asked. Does such a being really exist? It is an evidence of his success that theories giving the lie to the plainest testimony of scriptures are so generally received in the religious world. And it is because Satan can most readily control the minds of those who are unconscious of his influence that the word of God gives us so many examples of his malignant work, unveiling before us his secret forces and thus placing us on guard against his assaults. 
we see that the devil, I would say, has been fairly successful in our society of subverting. I'm glad that we did our episode on natural law first, because what we see Crowley and his followers and stuff subverting is that natural law. Is this natural desire in us for the right and the good? Like, even though we're fallen, right, we still have that, right? God has given us that conscience. And we see it in everything from, I think, just even in recent memory, how the conversation has shifted around things like gay marriage, where in 2008, the Democratic nominee for president who won, Barack Obama, ran on a principle of traditional marriage, marriage between a man and a woman. And we see that in a short amount of time, this principle of do what thou wilt applied to the marriage scenario has said, who are we to say that two men can't get married or two women can't get married? Who are we to say that people can't have a polycule? That's not legal yet, but certainly there. And it's like, we've seen this progression. Satan has worked to lessen the human heart's connection to the natural law. And I just think it's wreaking deleterious effects on society. And that's why the Bible says this, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. People are getting caught up in things they shouldn't be caught up. All these movie artists and music artists caught up in the teachings of Crowley, who was an avowed Satanist. And this from a couple of years ago, look what E! Online said, which isn't a Christian news source. It says, um, did we just witness actual witchcraft during Katy Perry's Grammy performance? They're not hiding it anymore, just like Sam Smith last week. Here she is once again. And if you look at what this cross represents... The Knights Templar was a medieval occult secret society that is considered to be the originator of Freemasonry, the Bavarian Illuminati, and the keepers of the secrets of sex magic as practiced by Crowley's OTO. The Knights Templar were prosecuted due to their alleged worshiping of Baphomet and for practicing of witchcraft. Perry wearing their cross is therefore very fitting. It also represents the occult elite philosophy as a whole. Once again, this caters to the elite. The elite seem to be catching themselves up in this mess. And it's blatant. Look at this album, 3-6 Mafia. Well, what is 3-6? which has always been a symbol of Satan. You hear those stories about the bluesmen that go out to the crossroads and sell their soul to the devil and come back all of a sudden able to do stuff. Robert Johnson, Tommy Johnson, that whole mythology was, was one of those kind of deals almost. When he left Minneapolis, he was just average, you know, there was five, six other guys doing the same thing. When he came back, he's doing Woody, and he was doing Van Ronk, and he was finger-picking, he was playing cross harp, and this is a matter of a couple of months. That's when I went to the crossroads and made a, a big deal, you know, like, phew, yeah. One, one night, and then uh, went back to Minneapolis, and I was like, hey, uh, where's this guy been, you know? Even to the crossroads. Why do you still do it? Why are you still out here? Well, it goes back to the destiny thing. You know, I made a bargain with it, you know, a long time ago, and I'm holding up my hand. What was your bargain? To get where um, I am now. Sh should I ask who you made the bargain with? <laughs> with, 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 you know, with the chief, uh, chief commander. On this earth? <laughs> and on this earth and in, uh, and in a world we can't see. 
Not many are as open about their crossroad experience with the devil as Bob Dylan. It's interesting how explicit he was. They're not hiding it. And you saw that he said he made a deal with the prince of this world. That's exactly what Crowley is talking about in some of those quotes we went, that they're going to reign with Satan in this world and in the world to come. They're so sadly deceived, and many people for peanuts of glory in this lifetime are selling themselves out for what they perceive to be something better, but it's not. Let's look at this next video. Very alarming as well. But Dylan isn't the only one. I sold my soul to the devil. I know it's a crappy deal. You know, in my time, you know, my days are not just so. You know, I try to live up to that, you know. I get possessed by, by the spirits. And I remember right before I performed, I raised my hands up. And it was kind of the first time I, I felt something else come into me. And I can sing notes and sing strong and do all these things that when I'm just by myself, I can't do. I guess I wouldn't be very entertaining on the stage. So Sasha comes out <laughs> and she's fearless. You know, she can she can do things that I cannot do when I'm in rehearsal. I mean, I can try, but then it just doesn't happen. I swear I wanted to be like the Amy Grant of music. Yeah. <laughs> but it didn't work out. And so I sold my soul to the devil. Sold my soul to the devil. Katy Perry, her parents claim to be Christian pastors. And she was raised, I believe, as a Pentecostal tradition. So I find that's an interesting aspect to that as well. Not only that, these are well-known artists. Bob Dylan, Jay-Z, Beyonce, famous with millions of following. People will say, oh, that's just shock value. No, remember, these symbols have a corresponding reality. And they talk openly about this. And they're preaching it. They're teaching it. If you read some of the lyrics to their songs, they're not hiding it. And it's sad because it all comes from the influence of Crowley, who we know was an avowed Satanist. And yet these people are following the same lyrics. We saw Do As Thou Wilt on Jay-Z's sweatshirt. And for those who don't think this has real-world ramifications, when I did further Googling on this, it said, Detectives searched the girls' homes and found a hand-drawn map that included the phrase, Go to Killing Bathroom which marked the bathroom where they were found, police says. One of the girls had also scrawled violent lyrics from Eminem and Florence plus the machine on a sheet of paper photo show. One sheet of notebook paper also included a short poem, trying hard to leave, stuck in an endless abyss, claw your way out now, photo show. Today is health lessons Thanks, Satan. We're doing this in bit. One note read. For people who say this is just entertainers getting shock value out of it, it has real world ramifications. But we know it's not just shock value. There is a battle we fight between good and evil. And we're seeing the influence. And she mentioned Eminem, who is very popular, very mainstream in society. And his music influenced these girls in this suicide pact. That story is horrifying. What we've been saying, symbols, they have a meaning. I think we should steal man the other side real quick. People will say, obviously, I'm sure mental health had a component here. The majority of people who listen to Eminem's songs don't go out in a suicide pact. 
But I do think that we are seeing an epidemic of mental health, particularly among youth. And one thing that I've noticed, I'm a psychology student, and one thing I noticed with my professors, not so much now I'm at a Christian school, but I was at a public school before, and everything has to have a material explanation. I just don't think that's reality. I think many things do, but I think when you have this spirit that's working behind the scenes and you have Christianity lessening its impact on our society, and you have through the work of people like Crowley and his disciples, you have the devil increasing his influence, it makes sense that people are going to be more depressed, going to be more violent. What does the Bible say? It says that in the last days, the love of many will grow cold. We're seeing that all around. So even if it doesn't always, or even in most of the circumstances, lead to a suicide pact, it is leading to a lot of misery and a lot of pain and a lot of meaninglessness. When you combine that with the video we did on Darwinism, and we opened up this episode showing the conclusions of Darwinism, when there is no God, when there is no hope, when there is no meaning, when life is blah, and then you combine that with things that push you to not feel good about yourself, promiscuity, drugs, Satan worship. Because even if you didn't grow up Christian, you know Satan always symbolized something evil. No wonder you're left depressed. And no wonder society is growing up without no hope. Yeah, it may not lead to suicide packs, but people are less happier today than they've ever been. And it's going to continue to grow darker simply because they're not following after truth, that which is noble, that which gives responsibility to the self and to the duties we owe society. And it is sad because this man's influence is going to be dismissed, but at whose peril? Your own peril. And Joey and I's appeal is that we're Christians. We believe in the teachings of Jesus Christ. You may not want to believe in him as your personal Lord and Savior, but I, I encourage you to follow his teachings, live the way he taught, even if you don't believe in his divinity. And you will come to a point where you will see it's better for your life. And my hope is that then you will surrender your life to his. But his teachings is the best. Joey, before I wrap up, any closing thoughts that you want to say? So I'm going to read this passage from Second Peter 3, where it says, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. And the reason why I wanted to bring that quote up is because as we've talked about a lot of dark things and themes that are happening in our society and the influence of Aleister Crowley, I want to remind our audience that as Christians, like Jiro and I are as Protestant Christians, we believe that God loves you. He doesn't want anyone to be lost. As we see things get darker, sometimes people can lose hope that there is a good God out there and think, why doesn't he just come? Why doesn't he end this? And the reason is what we read there. He doesn't want anyone to be lost. So he's not going to come. He's not going to wrap things up. While there's any soul that would still choose him that hasn't chosen him. And so I think that's just a good perspective to keep in mind as we wrap up. And that's a good segue to end with this verse and this imagery. Jesus is inviting all of you who are listening. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If you want true rest for your soul, if you want a future and a hope, then you need to learn and have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So forget about religion at the moment. Just grab your Bible. 
Pray to God, asking him for wisdom, and you will find a peace that passes all understanding. I know we're not a Bible-thumping podcast, but we will be derelict of duty if we don't point you to the source of our peace, to the source of our happiness, and to the source of our future. We have the hope that even though the world around us is getting bleaker and darker, based on the teachings of Aleister Crowley, we know how the story ends. And the story ends in victory for those who pursue the truth no matter what. And in our case, we know that truth to be Jesus Christ. Joey, once again, thank you for a great discussion, and I hope others are blessed by it.